Mac Power Users, Episode 721, Technological Empathy with Kurash Dini. Hello, everyone. I am David Sparks. I am joined by the Internet's very own Stephen Hackett. How are you today, Stephen? Good, David. How are you? Excellent. I I think you belong to the Internet at this point. (laughs) So we're just going to claim you. I like it. But uh, we've got we've got a guest here today, Kurash Dini. Kurash, how are you today? Doing well. Thanks for having me here. I, I, oh man, I, I love being here. <laughs> yeah, it is really fun. Uh, Kurash and I do friend calls every once in a while, and uh, I realize that it's been like five years since you've been on the show because I keep thinking, well, I just talked to him, but you, we haven't talked to you on the show for a long time. Um, <laughs> uh, Kurash is a a, uh, a man of many talents. I think I'm going to start by saying you're an excellent keyboardist and musician who also happens to be a doctor and an author and a coach. Uh, You know, uh, you've got uh, stuff on focus, OmniFocus. You've got got a bunch of stuff. We're going to put links on the show notes of all the stuff you've made. But you're a very intentional guy. And I really love that from uh, having, you know, people who are into Apple technology and can bring that level of intention. You've always got some good recommendations and thoughts every time we talk, and I can't wait to share a little bit of that with the audience today. Before we get started, though, we've got a couple announcements. Yeah, we are in the middle of our Give Relay sale. This is a 20% sale on all annual memberships at Relay FM. So there's a link in the show notes, or you can go to giverelay.com. You can get one for yourself. Or you can send one to a nerdy person in your life. And uh, all the perks and stuff are listed out. Uh, But here on Mac Power Users, we do longer ad-free versions of the show. We refer to that as more power users. It took us longer to come up with that name than you think it would. But uh, (laughs) but we we ended up there in the end. Uh, Members also get access to uh, members' newsletter, a bunch of cool wallpapers, a newsletter, a couple members-only podcasts, lots of good stuff. So head on over to GiveRelay.com and uh, go check it out. I mean, we've all got that family member every year that gives us socks, right? And you're like, how many socks do I need? Just send them this link and say, hey, you want to bring me Join Delight this year? GiveRelay.com. Speaking of which, on more power users today, Kurash has built out a video studio, which is red meat for Stephen and I. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) at the end of the show, for more power users, we are going to be going deep on that topic and uh, and discussing video studio build outs in your home as Kurash has done. Uh, But but let's get started catching up, Kurash. Like I said, it has been too long since you've been on the show. Uh, folks can find you, by the way, Kurosh Dini, K-O-U-R-O-S-H-D-I-N-I.com. Uh, it's got links to all the stuff you've been doing. But Apple's had a bit of a revolution since the last time we've had you on the show with Apple Silicon and uh, all the other stuff they've been up to. I think we need to update your hardware. What hmm. What are you using these days? So nowadays I have the, the main update I did was on my, my laptop. It's now a 2021, what is that? A 16 inch Apple M one, uh, uh, max, I guess it's treated me very well. I kind of go through very long cycles of, of working with the laptop and until the point where the, the, the loading icon just goes a little too long, more than a little <laughs> too long. 
And then finally I'll plunk down, okay, now I've got to, you know, throw in, uh, you know, for, for a good, nice upgraded model. So once that happens, it, there's this big, deep breath of relief and I go for another however many years. You know, on that point though, I think these Apple Silicon Macs, the, that time when you need to replace this one is going to be a long time into the future. The, uh, you know, I, I'm increasingly hearing from labs members and MPU audience members who got in on the M1 chip, who have no interest in upgrading in our M3. Uh, and if Apple continues on a yearly cycle, you know, in a couple of years, will be M4, M5. Um, but these Apple Silicon Macs are just rock solid. Uh, the big jump from Intel to Apple Silicon means that, you know, you get that benefit going into the future. And I... I almost think that this is going to become a news story in a couple of years, how Apple can't, you know, Apple's getting a low upgrade cycle on Macs because people are keeping them longer. I just, hmm. I think they're going to become, that's going to become a thing. That's my guess. I think I'm going to, I'm going to I have this test plan that I'm going to see how it goes right now. I'm, I'm running a, uh, a 2014 iMac for my, my performances on, on I, I split between that and the, uh, the iMac. I mean, uh, yeah. and the, the laptop and it does. Okay. But what I'm thinking of doing is I, I'm, I might get a, um, uh, they have these things called Cal digits, this thing that can like power an external monitor and then yeah. have that, have everything run the, the second life client, the ecam software that I use to broadcast and uh, Cubase, the digital audio workstation, have it all run through one computer and see whether the M1 can handle that, if it can, if it can make that happen while also powering this other um, uh, monitor. Now, if it doesn't, then I don't know. It'll be a very expensive mistake, but uh, I'll, I'll try it. You know, my prediction is that it's going to work just fine. Yep. It probably won't <laughs> even break a sweat. <laughs> That'll be nice to see because the, 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 the uh, 2014 model just, uh, when, I, when I try running Ecamm and, and and Cubase at the same time, trying to like record, like you've seen the piano roll kind of scroll by, it like you, you could see it kind of like chugging. It's like it's like thinking and oh man. Anyway, well, buy the Cal digit from somebody that will accept a return if it doesn't work, but it will work. I mean, it's in fact, it's gonna the whole piano roll thing is gonna completely go away. I I, I want you to text me when you try this out because I feel like you're gonna be like, man, I should have done this two years ago because it, <laughs> it is. I mean, what what they are doing now runs circles around a 2014 Intel machine. It's not even not even close. The um, which Cal Digit are you looking at? Uh, there's one called a T3. I think it is. Uh, there's there's a four and there's a three. And the three, I think, for whatever reason, I remember reading somewhere, hearing somewhere that it does better with uh, a cam link, the thing to use for a camera. Um, yeah. And so that's the one I was targeting. See, Steven's the resident Cal Digit expert, I think. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah, I've got the TS4, and I do have it running with a cam link, but I don't use that very often, so I don't know if I could speak to that specifically. But I can tell you any of their products, they are pricey, but it is, it's just rock solid. Like, it, it, my laptop is hooked up to everything on my desk, so a studio display, camera, audio gear, stream deck, like all of this stuff, external drives all with one cable and mm. I just come in, I plug it in ethernet runs through there too. It's just been so good. And if you're going to turn a notebook into a, a workstation, it's totally mm. the way to go. 
That sounds exact. So when I built out the studio, which is now in my my uh, it's in my office, so I got to go to the separate office. I um I do exactly that. I plug in one thing, and uh, I can all I do is flick on the camera, and I've got an app on my phone that flicks on the lights, and I'm and I'm good to go. Um, then yeah. then I just have to work through the emotional anxiety of recording myself. That's the fun. <laughs> Cal Digit can't help you with that. <laughs> now we got to get you into a club stream deck, but that, that I feel like I should probably be careful with that topic. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about music apps. Had you ever used Apple's main stage app? I have not. No. Yeah. I, man, I love it. Cause I, I have a little um, like electric saxophone, like it's a wind controller thing mm-hmm. and I have it plugged into my Mac. Most most of the time, and when I have one little break, like lately I've been playing Christmas carols, but I, I ran it through main stage, and it's it's really good. And that that app is super efficient on Apple Silicon, but of course it would be because it's made by Apple. But I we we digress. I I do think you if you're on the camp that I'm not going to upgrade my Mac until I feel like I really need to upgrade my Mac. Uh, in the age of Apple Silicon, I feel like that's going to run a long time. Didn't I? I think I saw a video that MKBHD even has not upgraded his M1 Mac mm-hmm. Pro. And that guy has, I mean, usually he's got the latest and the greatest, right? So I uh, I just think, I think it's a good problem. You know, I, I, I don't want this to sound like doom and gloom for Apple. Hey, nobody's buying Macs. But I think that a lot of people are going to be very happy with the lifespan they get out of these Apple Silicon devices. Uh, but I interrupted. What, what, what other gear are you using these days, Kurash? Ah, here's an interesting bit. So I went and bought, so I, uh, all right. So I, TikTok, right? This thing, um, well, that's the thing that scares me. I don't, <laughs> that, that's I, a way I, to I, start I, a sentence. TikTok. Right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So well, I promise I'll get to the hardware. Uh, but yeah, so it's, you know, I'm worried about it because, you know, I'm, I'm a physician. I, I don't want, and I hear rumors of it, you know, and looking at things on your phone and whatnot, I don't know how accurate or not, but the rumors are enough to, to frighten me. So I'm like, I can't use those. And then, um, uh, spoke with a, a, a friend of mine, uh, uh, his name's uh, Ernie Hayden. He's a, a security guy and he's also a wonderful, uh, uh, nature photographer. Uh, he had suggested, why not get yourself just a dedicated device for, for TikTok? And I'm like, okay, that's a great. Idea. So I wound up, um, uh, you know, especially if I'm if I'm going to use it for marketing or something like that, it'll it'll easily pay for itself if I you know do well with it. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get a cheap iPad, and that's what I did. I got a cheap iPad, put the put the uh, 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 TikTok on it. Uh, wow, that's a terrible way to say it, the TikTok. Anyway, it, it sounds very old. <laughs> Using the TikTok, put the TikTok I'm doing the TikTok thing, yeah. and uh, <laughs> right, right. So. Uh, well, to, to sound even older, I'm like afraid to open the thing now. I don't know what what Pandora's box I'm gonna I'm gonna get into. So anyway, maybe that, maybe that'll be this evening. But uh, so you have a burner iPad. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I've approached both my my kids about it, and one of them's like, "Yeah, don't do don't open it," and the other one's like, "Come on, do it. Let's see what happens." <laughs> <laughs> so that would be an interesting question, though. So if you wanted to make a device uh, where you weren't, you know, you didn't have information on there, you didn't want people to track you. I guess you would not connect it to your iCloud, I would assume. Right. You wouldn't install, obviously, any apps, like personal information stuff. Uh, is health data getting transferred over to that? By, I guess if you don't have iCloud enabled, you're probably not getting health data. Contact data is all in your iCloud. Uh, I think I think the iCloud uh, sync is probably the key. You just don't have that working. 
What else would you do, Stephen, if you wanted to make it a, a safe device to open something like TikTok on? Yeah, I mean, the only other thing that comes to mind, if it's doable for you, like if you control your network, maybe segmenting it off onto, you know, basically where it can't see the other things on your network somehow. You know, there could be uh, different ways to do that depending on your setup. Uh, or maybe even routing everything through a VPN provider. So it it is like separate from the rest of your stuff. But I think the big thing is definitely not having your other data on that. But you know, I'm not a TikTok user. Uh, to uh, at 37, I'm too old for that. But I do think that most of what it learns about you is bec- what you do on the platform, right? Like, oh, I it sees that I watch videos of people you know driving toyota trucks around on the beach it's going to feed me more of that but having your icloud stuff off of it's probably probably not a wild idea either Hmm. yeah i I did a presentation to some high school kids about um tiktok because that is the biggest challenge for them i mean my daughter's a high school teacher and she's like it's like a it's it's really like a drug they can't yeah put it down and the um it's interesting the way the algorithm is is so good at focusing in on what you watch and what you click on or tap on. Um, the Wall Street Journal, I believe, did a, an article on this a few years ago where they made kind of TikTok robots that will say, okay, this one is feeling bad about herself. And then like it was shocking mm-hmm. how quickly the algorithm honed in on that and just started giving more videos, making you feel worse and worse and sending you mm-hmm. down this this rabbit hole. Uh, whereas my kids videos, they basically focus on puppies. And, uh, <laughs> so I, I'm okay with that, but, but I, I, I get it. You know, algorithms can be dangerous. Yeah, and, uh, yeah absolutely. And it's a, it's a thing. I mean, I, even in your, in your day job, I'm sure you, you deal with that where people can get hung up on some of these loops that social media feeds them. Well, it's, it's the, uh, technological equivalent of empathy. You know, it, empathy itself is not a good or bad thing. I mean, it's it's very useful, but it's what you do with it. You can be, you know, you can, uh, you know, there, there are ter- terrible people who can deeply empathize and then like abuse that. And, yeah. and so that idea that you just brought up of, you know, let's, let's make, let's take this person that feels awful and make them feel worse would be an example of that. Yeah. And, and they're not doing that to make you feel worse. They're doing that because the longer you stay, the more ads they can sell it's an engagement thing, you know, in that way, it's, it's actually, it's a very honest approach. It's like, look, we're just here to make you watch us more. And, and if you, if you go in with that knowledge that it has that, that approach, then, then I guess that's the relationship is, is, uh, is a, is an honest one in that sense. It is, except like, you know, to use my kids, like, Hey, you like watching puppies. If I give you more cute puppy videos, I can do more ads. You know, mm-hmm. that seems innocuous and, and and okay. But, hey, you're feeling really bad about yourself. If I give you these videos, it'll make you feel worse about yourself. You'll stay and I can sell ads. That's where it gets ugly, right? And yeah. the piece of it, I don't want to preach on this. We're not here to talk about this today. But, but I think where it's really dangerous is with children. I think kids mm-hmm. a lot of times don't really have control over their emotions and feelings and uh, giving them this machine that's an amplifier of things mm-hmm. that may not be positive uh, can lead them down down a poor a bad road, and uh, mm-hmm. just that's my 
hang up with it. And I, I will officially step off my soapbox about TikTok. <laughs> and we can, but, but, but I, I do think the idea of a burner iPad is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And, um, but also, you know, not necessarily laughable. You know, I mean, it might not be a bad idea at the same time. And I think, too, I mean, we don't talk about it enough, but you can get a lot of iPad for not much money. I mean, in the mm-hmm. conversation that's kind of been going on the last few weeks about how complex the iPad lineup is, and I mean, rightfully so, it's really complicated to know what iPad you should buy. But going into a store and picking up that ninth gen iPad for 320 bucks, often $299 refurbished or on Amazon or other places, mm-hmm. it it makes the iPad sort of a good device for this sort of thing, right? Like I know a lot of places now are using iPads for like smart home control, or even if you go into an office or something, sometimes there'll be an iPad that sort of manages all the AV stuff. That was unthinkable when every iPad was 499, you know, and that wasn't that long ago. And I, I, I have issues with the iPad line philosophically, but it's hard to argue with the low cost to get into the door now. Even when you look at like these um, unitasker devices that are so popular right now, like they, they've got the Hemingway typewriter. It's mm-hmm. a digital device with a very poor quality screen. All you do is you type words on it, and I believe it exports as a text file. Um, and some people love it and swear by it, but it's in the $500 range. Hmm. I mean, if you've got an extra keyboard, you can get yourself an iPad for almost half the cost. And do the same thing. Uh, I guess you would have to have a focus mode if you're worried about the interruptions and stuff, but it's a much better screen and probably a much more powerful computer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And then once again, you could, you could sign up with a, or create a new iCloud account for yourself. That just is not about if you wanted to totally silo it out, you know, you can Mm -hmm. do it that way. Or, or you could use a focus mode to just lock that son of a gun down whenever you want. I, I call it, we did a thing on it on the show two or three months ago, but I have what I call my, modern digital typewriter which is a clicky keyboard and an ipad kind of locked down like that and i type a lot into that thing a lot of blog posts and lab stuff and even field guide text gets written that way and it's it's a unitasking typewriter for me in in all sake of the word but it's based on an ipad platform and what Mm -hmm. steven you know the other thing is i was saying earlier you know how apple mac silicones are going to last a long time iPads are the reason I believe that because yep. iPads are built kind of the same way and you can get like five, <laughs> almost 10 year old iPads right now for a song mm-hmm. that probably do enough for, for just about anything you yeah. want to do with an iPad. I just rotated out one of the kids iPads because it was stuck on like, it wasn't, I knew it wouldn't get iPad. OS 17. I was like, Oh, you know, maybe I can get something else for them. And I actually got it and it was running like iOS. 14 or 15 because it was yeah it was like 10 years old 11 years old and they all look the same back then so it's hard to tell when they're in a big kid proof case but for their needs which was basically a couple of video apps and a couple of like educational games Mm. it was totally fine and really the only reason i switched it out because i wanted it on ipad os 17 for some of the newer uh screen time and parental control stuff but they the longevity is is super interesting and I do think, David, I do think you're right. It will catch up with the Mac. And I wonder if we fast forward five years from now, if the cadence we see right now with M1, M2, M3, if they begin to slow that down a little bit, anticipating or in reaction to 
those sales numbers starting to move on them. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to onepassword.com slash MPU right now and get 20% off. 1Password is so much more than just a password manager. It's like adding an entire security team to protect yourself, your family, or your company. Of course, it gets passwords right. With 1Password, it generates strong and unique passwords, and it can apply them anywhere you are on your computers and your devices. You just need to remember your 1Password. That's why they have the name. But it does a lot more than that. It looks at the vendors you're working with and keeps an eye on them. So if they have security breaches, it lets you know that your password may be at risk. It also looks at the passwords you're using and grades them for you. So if you're using the same password multiple times, it lets you know. Or if you're using a password that shows up on one of those dark web black sites that says, uh, these are the passwords we have hacked, it checks those for you to make sure that you're not on that list and you can change your password to get away from that. It also gives you a place that you can store secure notes on your devices that are secured beyond the normal password and face ID and touch ID security. Notes that I put into one password, I know nobody can get unless they have the ability to both unlock my device and know my super secure one password. This is where I put things like social security numbers and medical records and things I really don't want other people seeing. And because it's one password, it's secure by design. They use that secret key to protect your account password and provide a unique extra layer of security for proven protection. It's private by default. They can't see your passwords or sensitive information. They can't use it, share it, sell it, and neither can anyone else. And 1Password is regularly audited by professionals, and they have one of the industry's largest bug bounties to help them act on threats before they can affect you. Like I said, you get a security team when you join 1Password. So go check it out. It's at onepassword.com MPU. That gets you 20% off. Both Steve and I have been years-long 1Password users. I continue to be so. I love it. I've got my family using it, and I've shared it with a lot of other family and friends. Once again, that URL, onepassword.com slash MPU. Go check it out today. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, one of my all-time favorite Mac applications, which is DevonThink. Uh, if you're not familiar with DevonThink, it is a really a world-class research tool on the Mac and on iPhone and, and iPad, but I, I primarily think about it as a Mac app where you can dump in just mountains of data and then use the tools within DevonThink to sort through that information, find resources, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Karush, you wrote a book called Taking Smart Notes with DevonThink that mm-hmm. I don't even know how long ago I bought this book, but it has been, when I, when I switched to DevonThink for my sort of computer history stuff, uh, this was one of the books that I read because... Devin thinks a big beast and it can do a million things. And um, and I'd like to know kind of before we get into sort of the, the nuts and bolts about some of the stuff you cover in the book, I'd like to know what you're using Devin Think for. Well, I uh, continue to use it primarily. Well, yeah, primarily for for its notes develop a lot of things that a lot of people will use for like different notes apps for. I that's kind of like my grown into my centerpiece of of uh uh, Devon Think, which I think speaks to 
its versatility because you, you can use it for many other things. And I still do. Um, you know, it's, it's also a, a, a way that I wind up arranging um, what I call project maps. These are like a way of like thinking through all the things I need for a project to just maybe be able to launch it very smoothly um, and kind of integrate that with OmniFocus. And then I also have um, things that are dedicated to, let's say for, for example, music, I'll have all, you know, all of my um, you know, projects that are from Cubase like in there, and then I can interlink and connect with things there very nicely. Um, I have it also use it as a junk drawer, uh, you know, where uh, I have one particular database called websites and books, which is just, oh, that's interesting. And I throw it in there and mm -hmm. maybe one day it'll show up again. Um, you know, taking advantage of the infinite, essentially infinite space of the digital world. But I'd say the notes, note taking and building notes and, and um, has really grown for me. It's really become a, a major, major thing. And that's really interesting because we've got this like explosion of rich notes apps going on, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, Obsidian, Rome Research, um, and honestly, you know, app of the week notes app that seems to be coming out. There's a lot of them getting released now. Mm -hmm. uh, Devin think is, you know, it's the grandfather here. It's the one that's been around the longest. And yeah. for a lot of folks, frankly, myself included, the biggest power of DevonThink is its ability to manage and cull information from files. Like I love it as a research tool and the AI it uses, it searches just, I, I just am shocked constantly about the results I get in a DevonThink search when I throw a big pile of data at it. Um, and you don't, I don't think notes is the first answer most people would get when they, you ask them what they're using DevonThink for. But yeah. but you you went down that road early, and you've really turned it into a good tool for you. It's it's a powerhouse when it comes to notes. It does just about everything most of the rest do, I think, and and or at least the things that I wanted to do. And um, you know, I can. It's its own dedicated space to work on things, and you can at the same time link outside of it, so that the the notes are all in their raw text form or their raw .md form. And um, what's, what I like about it a lot, the, the linking in it is, is unsurpassed, in my opinion. I, I can link to it, and I can link to it a, a note from elsewhere, and I can rename the note, and the link will still work. And that in itself, I've, you know, the, the feeling I get when I start writing a note in DevonThink is I don't have to worry so much about can I connect to this? You know, so I can write my thought and then I can, I have a key command that uh, using keyboard maestro that quickly, um, actually is a keyboard. I might, I might, there might actually be a, a dedicated one within Devon thing. I can't remember at the moment, but I, I do a quick key command that I can add it to OmniFocus or something and say, okay, follow up on this later. Or I can um, add it to the notes entry in a calendar uh, so, uh, entry somewhere and uh, you know, follow up on this discussion with whomever. And so it, it weaves itself very nicely throughout the, the Mac ecosystem, and, um, and, uh, and I enjoy writing it. You know, once you set the... I know a lot of people like look at it and like, how do you type in this? You know, all you need to do is... Well, what I do is I, I create a, a, a keyboard maestro macro to minimize everything except what I'm writing, and I make sure that, you know, in the preferences, I've set my font to be a nice font and, and 
really the rest is is simple typing. Yeah, you, you've touched on one of the really the genius things about the way Devon Think is architected, where while the files are air quotes in the app and there's a database and they all live in there, they are all still on disk. And so mm-hmm. they're not re-encoded as some weird, you know, other proprietary format. At the bottom of the stack, you still have your regular files just as if you put them in a regular folder in Finder. And of course, you get lots of stuff on top of that when you're dealing with them at the Dev and Think level. But that's one thing I've always appreciated about it. I mean, I've got 170 gigs of stuff in there. And I know that if I ever you know, need, oh, I need that PDF out of it, I can just drag it out of the app or I can export it or I can go find it. And that PDF is, as it ever was, a PDF. And that is unfortunately not something you have uh, that easy access to. You don't always have that in other apps. Like we, we just did a big episode in Apple notes and that is a, a valid criticism of Apple notes, right? That I don't really know where my stuff is and it's in this like weird database and I don't, I can't go get, get it easily. And the makers of Devon think, you know, they, they do that differently. And I appreciate that. I do as well. And, and you can even go a step further where you have, you can leave the folder in Finder, Finder and and index it from DevonThink. So it'll act as if it's in DevonThink, but DevonThink will be just like, no, you could leave it there. I'll figure it out. So we mentioned that it runs both on the Mac and mobile devices. The, the type of work I do in DevonThink, I'm always at my Mac. So I don't, I have DevonThink to go set up, but I don't ever really use it. Uh, does the mobile version come into play for you or is it, or is this primarily a Mac app for you as well? Primarily Mac app, but I do use the the mobile and the, the mobile, I sync it locally. Um, so it works out, you know, I just remind, I have a reminder to sync it daily. Um, and um, it works out fine. I just, but I always, I've always liked the, the laptop, um, you know, beyond the iOS devices themselves just i feel most at home and typing there so that's kind of my my centerpiece yeah because you could sync dev and think a bunch of different ways so i have all my stuff synced to dropbox they have a icloud Mm. cloud kit sync uh but you're just doing the plain old-fashioned sort of local area network sync where i guess you you open it on the phone and you open on the mac and you tell them to to sync up with each other that's the one. Yeah, I think it's the bonjour method or something like that. Yeah. I, I can't remember what it's called. But yeah, that's that's what it is. And uh, no, it works out very nicely. Um, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about the PDFs and the and the writing, one of the things that you can do is how surgical you can be about it. So let's say you have a, a let's say you're typing in a markdown document and you're writing it out and you've got a bunch of headings on different things. You can select one of the headings and uh, you can copy a link directly to that heading and mm-hmm. point that from anywhere, you know, and you can do the same thing with a selection in a PDF, you know, so if you're referring to that PDF from somewhere else, you can say, okay, I want to connect to just that part and, you know, and or I'm drawing this quote out of this part and you can know exactly where that, that, that is. And anyway, I just, I just find it remarkable and, and, and enjoyable, mm-hmm. um, but it, like anything else, there's a skill practice set to it, but once you get it, you're good. Have you spent time looking at, uh, some more sort of modernized apps like Obsidian or or Notion or other things like that. Yeah, so um, I've played with both um, more Obsidian. Obsidian is interesting. It's got a wonderful, robust community, and a lot of people enjoy it uh, tremendously. And and uh, there are a couple of things that it can do. 
that I'd like Devon Think to do, but I, um, oh, one of the things that, so I always keep trying it, but then I always return to, to Devon Think. I'm like, just, just feels like home and there's things that I, I like that it does. But one of the things that I thought was stopping me, for example, was that ability to link to something permanently. So uh, Obsidian, just in its raw form, if you change the title, it breaks the link. However, there is a community plugin that lets you now, you know, it, it lets you link to the to the document, and uh, it would be a more or less a permanent link. But I tried it, and then it like adds something in the header. I get I forget what everybody calls it. But there's like something where you add a bunch of stuff in the header now, and um, and uh, it becomes like the categories in the. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Devon Think already does these things as its own sort of columns, and you know you can you can create customers for that. But these are now embedded in the text file itself as part of the in Obsidian's world, and um, and I also have something called Devon Link, which is like I can make it so I can bounce between the same file between Devon Think and Obsidian, so I don't have to um, you know be stuck with one, but. Um, Two troubles. One is when I have a bunch of things stuck in the header of the of the text file, I don't like it. I just I don't like it, and um, just whatever gut response is there. And then um, uh, what was the second issue? Um, oh, I had a second issue in my head and it ran away. Anyway, um, in the end, I, I I can see how it works well for everyone, but I, I just somehow Devin think it, it like maybe with the way I can play with the windows, for example, I can move this here and jump it over there and. It, it doesn't feel as enclosed as it does when I play with Obsidian, but that's just that's just me. People ask me this all the time because I have field guides on both products, and they're like, well, which one? Or, or they'll say, well, I like this one better than that one, and my answer is always yes. I mean, it's not like they're at war with each other. They're both very good apps, mm-hmm. um, and they have different areas of emphasis. One of my comments is that, if you're going to deal with a lot of attachments, I think Devon Think is superior. It's just better. And like the way it handles metadata and the way it, there's just a bunch of things in Devon Think that, that's better than Obsidian, particularly for dealing with multiple types of files. And um, for text, if you're just dealing with text, I think Obsidian's better. That's just my opinion. You know, because mm-hmm. when you start adding the plugins like Data View and some of the stuff they, they do, you can really perform some magic with it. But the other beauty of it, in my opinion, is they complement each other because uh, Obsidian's metadata is very sparse and it's inside the file in the sense that it's like YAML front matter data. And now I'm getting super nerdy and in the weeds, but the way Obsidian does metadata is different than the way um, DevonThink does. DevonThink has kind of an attached file that stores all that metadata for you. And so you can actually use them both together without hitting conflicts or, or causing metadata crashes, right? And so you can really, when someone says, well, which one? I'm like, well, either one or both. And none of those are wrong answers. Hmm. I was just going to say a use case where I would use both sometimes. For example, I would, I would start typing in DevonThink. DevonThink, and then I would, I would go to the um, suggested, you know, related documents and I can look through them and say, oh, this could, you know, and it goes through its AI and says, this might be useful. This might be useful. And those are wonderful. And then some, from there, I use a key command to jump into Obsidian and then I can see what I have, 
I forget how it goes, where it, it like what might link to this document where I'm not linking out at the same time. I yeah, incoming the, and out versus outgoing links. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can see those in Devon thing, but it kind of does this like subtraction of them and says, this is what's left over. And you can paste that into Obsidian. Um, I have to look up what the name of that one is and I can, I can send it to you. Uh, maybe if you want for show notes or whatever, but it's, it's a useful something that can kind of help you think through, okay, what am I missing here? And then, and then I typically bounce back to Devon think at that point. I do think though, that kind of getting back to Devon think, cause this is where you're focusing on. And the fact that there aren't as many people that use it as a notes tool as you do. Could you give us like an example of how you're doing that? Like, like just a project that you can feel comfortable talking about on a podcast and and how you're using the notes feature. So, um, I mean, an example, you know, I have uh, sometimes I get a flurry of ideas about something that relates to productivity or something like that. And what I'll do is I have a, a key command that jumps straight to the, the note box inbox. Note box is where I, fi- I have this big, massive database of just notes. Yeah. And um, I go in there, I... I just start typing away and um, whatever it is that I'm, I'm, I'm into. Um, and uh, just, it does a wonderful job of, of saying what could be related to that. So then once I start looking at that, I might drag and drop those in. Uh, I might expand on my thoughts on that. And, um, and then I would think of what is, what is more uh, above this in, in a hierarchy, if I had a hierarchy. Not that it needs one, but it kind of like kind of like doing the exercise, and then I'll put that right below the um, the header, and uh, pretty much at that point it's good to go. And there's a, um, a quick sorting tool that just seems to know that I want to put this in the folder where all the notes are, and I just double click that, and it's good to go. Yeah, Devin thinks ability to take a file and figure out where it belongs is spooky, right? Yeah, I uh, I have got to the point now where I just put like all of my admin documents and stuff in Devon think and just let it kind of sort them for me. Um, and it has its own kind of built in rule system, uh, something akin to Hazel. And uh, it, but it, it never ceases to amaze me when I say, figure out where this goes. And it, it does like mm-hmm. more often than that. And the more, the more you use it, of course, the smarter it gets at that. Yeah, no, I think that's one of the big things with Devon thing is that where I think if you approach it deliberately, uh, it, the, then it will enhance your organizing ability strongly. I, I kind of view it like similar to a, like a writer editor relationship. Like if you, if you write well, your editor is going to make that shine. If you don't write so well, it's, it's not going to, they're not going to do much. So like if you organize relatively, okay, if you have some idea of like, okay, I want this to go here and there, I'm going to link this that way and the other way then Devin Think really takes it to another level for you. Have you spent any time with Notion? Not enough. A little bit here and there. It, it looks nice. Um, but the trouble is, is there's, it's less about Notion and more about uh, diving into one thing after the next. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was looking at that. I was looking at, um, there's another one called Craft. And uh, I know there are other ones out there too, but... You know, eventually you just kind of say, I've, 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 I've got, I can't do this all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, Notion really isn't, uh, it doesn't stack up against what you're doing with Dev and Think. It's more of a collaborative tool. Something you said earlier, though, that 
that uh, has me curious is the idea of a project map. You said you build your mm. project maps in DevonThink. I want to know what a Kurash project map is and how it's built. Sure. So a, a project map is um, several components, and it doesn't. It's less about the tool, and it's more about the concept, if you will, because it could spread out across things. And sometimes we'll have it in DevonThink, sometimes in OmniFocus, sometimes both. Sometimes it's on a sheet of paper. But it's in summary, it's a few things. It's uh, let's see if I can rattle this off. Well. Um, one is the decision whether or not you want something to uh, represent something for you. So for the, the anti-example I give is a, um, a book with a bookmark sitting on your nightstand doesn't need a project. It doesn't need a project or necessarily. I mean, it's like, you know what to do with it and you, and you, yeah. right. But if you want to start representing things, you have to make that decision. Do I want it to be represented somewhere? So there's that. The second is um, the idea of a prompt. How are you going to get back to this thing? Um, you know, OmniFocus does a great job of, you know, setting up lists or maybe you have alerts or maybe you think about your habits, maybe, you know, other things that are involved with that. Thirdly, you have the idea of a next action. If you can think of what's the next action involved, it's useful to have that somewhere listed high up on that uh, in this document or whatever it is that you're using to create it. And the bookmark, you know, in the physical spaces represents that. Uh, next up is a link to... Um, uh, resources uh, or directions to materials. So links to res resources, um, Devin thinks so, does wonderfully for that. Um, basically, you want to make everything super simple to get to because if you can limit the search task, the better you are at uh, being able to get to things and start things and reduce that sort of action potential that's necessary to get into something at a, at a particular visit. Um, drafting an aim can be helpful. This is a student of mine who came up with this one, which I like, which is basically, um, you know, thinking, where's this, what, what, where's this going to belong? Where, where would this go? What, what's it going to do for you? Kind of a thing. Just what's the aim? Um, lastly, uh, is this idea of, um, I think this is lastly, unless I'm missing something, but it's the, uh, um, what I call reflection into silence, which is, um, whatever's on your mind. And usually, uh, whatever's your mind on your mind about it, and that can usually convert into, you know, those are thoughts and um, and uh, questions usually. So those can convert into, um, you know, uh, tasks or plans or well, just quest questions, and you just write them out and you kind of think through those things until really nothing else comes to mind. At which point you can let it go, and uh, and you can consciously let it go. That's that's the key. You want to be able to consciously let this go. Uh, you can like kind of watch it drift away rather than distract yourself from it. And once you've done that, and, and you don't have to do this every time, but it's useful if you kind of go through the exercise, um, then uh, you have this wonderful both save point and launch pad for, uh, for what you're going to do next with that thing. And then it, it's, a, it's, I would assume it's just a template that you drop into a new Devon Think note, and then you just start typing in the various answers underneath and links and whatnot. You can totally do it that way. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is because it doesn't have, I, I think it through every time. Uh, maybe I'm okay. Uh, I do. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, I do it on a piece of paper, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah, if I'm um, playing a board game or something like that, or, you know, I'll, or cards or something, I'll I have, I like being in the analog space for that. So I'll just write it out there. Um, you know, what, what am I doing next? And, where you know the stuff is on the third bookshelf on the right or whatever it is. It's more of an idea space 
thing, but it often does translate into Devin Thinker OmniFocus. This episode of MPU is brought to you by ZocDoc. You know that feeling when you finally get the thing you've been searching for on the internet? The exact piece of hardware you were looking for, the one that all the great reviews are about, and it's available where you are, and you can get it next day delivery. That's pretty sweet, but why is it that you can get the most random thing from around the world in two days, but if you want to see a good doctor, it can take forever to get an appointment? Not to mention, how do you even know if they're good? Thankfully, there's ZocDoc, a place to find and book great doctors who actually have amazing reviews, many with appointments available within 24 hours. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition you're searching for. These docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients, not robots. And the average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just 24 to 48 hours. That's it. You can even get same-day appointments. Once you find the doctor you want, you can book them immediately with just a few taps in the app, so no more awkwardly waiting on hold. ZocDoc is fantastic. We just changed insurance here in the Hackett household, and unfortunately it meant we had to change some doctors. And using ZocDoc meant that I could look at reviews. I could see what people were saying about these healthcare providers, and it helped me make more informed decisions. Go to ZocDoc.com MPU to download the ZocDoc app for free, then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C, ZocDoc.com MPU. Our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of the show and Relay FM. Kurash, because you're so intentional, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about on the show is your, what I call productivity stack. And to me, that's like calendars, tasks, email notes, you know, what are the things you use to kind of work through whatever you're working on and Mm -hmm. what are the tools of choice you've, you've picked for those? So let's go through that. Uh, Starting with the calendar, where do you manage your calendar and how? So I use BusyCal, which connects to the, the Apple calendar system um i like busy cal uh it it, the the two-week view that it offers i find to be um so incredibly valuable and i don't understand why it's not more present in other apps um at least maybe i just haven't looked enough um but there's that and um it's it's very versatile and um i like being able to look to add just a ton of information to any particular event. And, um, and, uh, it works nicely for me. I like it. Do you calendar like block? Do you put a lot of things on it or just, is it just the essential appointments and dentists and patients and things? I mean, what, what goes into your calendar? Only things that are, uh, that involve other people. So that hard landscape sort of idea, the ladder that you described, the, the patients or, uh, dentists and such. I don't. So my, my work system is, um, so this is a kind of the latest sort of thing that I've been thinking through. Um, I, I do what's called a visit based approach to work rather than a, a, what I might call a force based approach. Um, the, the hyper schedule type of situation where you kind of put things in blocks, it can work for some, 
but for a mind like my own, it, it doesn't. I, I tend to, um, as soon as the time shows up, I'm like, I'm off doing something else. And, um, and then having to re re fix it and adjust it and make things work again and, and all that just becomes more work and I don't want to do it. So I do what's called a visit-based approach, which means that um, uh, uh, a visit is this. Uh, I show up to a thing. Um, I can, uh, uh, preferably with distraction set aside, uh, for the length of at least a single deep breath. That's it. I don't have to do any work. If I do, great. But if I don't, that's fine. I'll schedule the next one. Um, and so I basically design my entire system around visits rather than these sorts of scheduled out times. And, um, and as a result, I don't need to do the, the, I don't need to block out times on my calendar. It, it, I don't know how I'm going to feel on that day or at that time or that hour. And I want to be able to have some say in how I guide myself. Um, and that lets me do that. Yeah, I am the exact opposite. I, I need the discipline of the blocks and uh, I'm not saying that I always live up to them. If I don't feel it when I get there, I will move it to another day or later in the day or whatever. I do think a, 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 um, a false narrative about block scheduling or hyper scheduling is that it's too rigid. It's not, you can move them, you know, you don't yeah. have to keep them where they are. Uh, the, but, but I do find that if I don't have them, then I don't get the important work done. It just doesn't work for me, but that's interesting. I, I, I do think we are all different when it comes to stuff like this and tasks. I would assume you're still using OmniFocus. Sounds oh, like yes. you are from, from the last segment. Absolutely. You know, OmniFocus is still the, uh, it's, it's a powerhouse for what I do. I, there's a, um, it's, it's twofold at this point. Uh, one is OmniFocus and, um, I have, uh, what I would call a navigation system built into OmniFocus, which helps me kind of orchestrate those visits that I was describing. And, you know, so I look at my list of, okay, these are the visits I want to make today. And I base that, I look at the calendar and I kind of, you know, figure my way out through the day. The other thing I'll do is actually replicate the exact thing in, um, in pen and paper uh, using a, um, a graph based system. Um, so something almost looks like a habit tracker. Um, and, uh, I, like a yeah, a grid grid based system is a better way to put it, and uh, uh, it, it kind of mimics the same thing. But I like having that that analog. Uh, it makes it so much easier to um, well, it's nice to feel. It's nice to work with it. It's, there's something more uh, organic to it. But there's also the practical. I guess the other one's practical. But there's also this idea that I can easily flip through the pages and say, oh, I've been working on that for about you know four weeks now, and um, it, and oh, I didn't do it on that day, but I did on that day. And you know, it's it's got a really nice record keeping system to itself. So anyway, these two complement each other. I kind of have some redundancy in it, um, but um, uh, between OmniFocus and pen and paper, I, uh, it's and the calendar, I suppose. I'm I'm set. I you know, you and I have um, we talk about OmniFocus offline quite a bit, but I didn't realize that you were doing this analog bit at the end. And um, I'd like to just unpack that a bit. So when you say it's a grid system, can you describe it? I guess it's in a notebook or mm -hmm. what are you doing? Yeah. So it's a notebook. Um, I'm using uh, the, the brand I'm using is Levenger um, that uh, you can, and I use, uh, so basically like um, 
yeah, you have a grid. And some people will take like a, let's say the habit tracker idea. You have a, a, you put down a habit, let's say exercise, and you put down days of the week, Sunday, Monday, all through the days of the week. And then if you do it, if you do an exercise, you mark it complete on that particular intersection between Monday and exercise. And, um, but here I'm doing it with that visit based idea. And um, so I create a list of things that I'm visiting and um, whether it's, Things that I'm working on, things that I'm engaged on. You know, usually I have only a small handful of things that I'm really actively uh, making changes in in my life uh, and working on. And then I have things that are more steady, things that I've I've uh, uh, created a, a more maintained set to. And uh, I have people in my life that I want to make sure that I you know spend time and attention with, and um, and they're on there as well. And so every time I make a visit and I, I spend some time, I mark it complete and I, I um, and that works. And, and that, so when you say visiting it, that's like going to the item in the analog tool and saying, ah, is today the day I'm going to do something with my daughter or mm -hmm. is today the day I'm going to exercise, something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's that yeah. same show up for at least a deep breath worth of time. And in that time, I make the decision. How am I going to, to go forward with this or set it aside for another time? And those items, I would assume, are not in OmniFocus at the same time, or they are? Uh, many of them are. That's where the redundancy is. And I haven't yeah. quite figured out if I how to minimize redundancy or if even if I should. I kind of kind of like where it is, and even if there is redundancy. And, and listeners know, because I've talked about this on the show, but I, I have really embraced a, kind of an index card for the final leg of my productivity or tasks. And something I decided early is like, okay, once I decide to put it onto a card, I just mark it as done in OmniFocus. And mm -hmm. now the card is like the contract. It's like, okay, you've, you put it here, check it off, get it done. If you don't finish it today, you've got to put it on another card tomorrow, or you have to shamefully put it back in OmniFocus or whatever. But this is the active location of the task. It's just something I've, that works for me. But to me, I, I like that kind of official handoff that you get, in essence, mm -hmm. for the last bit of it. And then uh, going back to OmniFocus, I wanted to ask you, you said I have a navigation system in OmniFocus. How am I not going to ask you to explain that? <laughs> so the navigation system effectively does the same thing as the that uh, grid-based system, what I did. But what I do is I have several different projects um, uh, within a folder called navigation. And the projects, like for example, one is called engaged. And these are, these are each repeating tasks. They repeat every day um, that uh, are about the things I'm working on, um, you know, so uh, as an example might be, you know, maybe preparing for this, this podcast might have, is, is one of those um, things that are, that are repeating. And then it, within that task, uh, it links to um, the project map it, or, or maybe a project within OmniFocus or something in DevonThink or wherever it is that I've kind of held all this information. And so I make the visit. I, as I'm making the visit, I have this quick and easy way to get access to all the things I've been thinking about and doing and working on. And then I have an equally quick way to shut it down, get it out of my way, and come back the next day, which is just market complete. Um, those things that are in the, uh, whether it's in the engaged project or there's other other projects, so things that I'm going to get to, um, uh, things that are, again, steady, 
and maybe things that I'm planning to do, uh, like what date I'm planning to do them. These kind of all get compiled into, I, I give them all a, a tag uh, that I call current. And uh, then I create a OmniFocus perspective around this tag current, at which point I can see everything um, quickly as to what my day is going to look like. So I look at these, you know, so I don't have to plan the day. The day it's already planned yeah. as a result of this. And uh, I just kind of look at it and go, yeah, that sounds about right. Or if it needs tuning, you know, I like to call it tuning, I'll, um, I'll uh, make adjustments here and there, but usually that doesn't take very long at all. And, um, and I'm good to go. And, you know, the, the combination of custom perspectives and, and also, frankly, links in OmniFocus, you can create links to anything. I have a similar system, and it's, it's those powers that, that make OmniFocus very difficult to uh to quit <laughs> you know mm -hmm. i mean <laughs> i've looked at other task managers and just they just don't do this stuff they sort of, yeah. have you played at all with all the stuff sal Segoin's doing with omnifocus over at um uh, omnifocus automation no i have not oh my um, goodness you are missing out. i'll put a link in the notes for folks who are interested in this but you know sal used to be the the chief guru of automation at apple and now he's doing that for the omni group and he has made over a hundred JavaScript-based um, automations for OmniFocus. But these are the ones, like, they have, like, a like if you go to their Omni Automation site, there's, like, a whole bunch that are sitting there. Is that what you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what Sal did. He made all those. Ah, oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, okay, so I've played with I've played with a few of those, and but uh, I'm sure there's more that I can play with. I kind of, like, reached a plateau, and then I'm like, okay, I can't keep playing with all these. No, well, I mean, it's, like, a thing where you... Um, you only should take one or two at a time and digest those thoroughly before you try. Don't install 10 or you won't, none of them will stick, but it's just, and frankly, what I do is I go there when there's something I'd like the app to do that it's not doing. And often I'll find that it's already there and yeah. that he's already written it for me. So I don't have to do it. You know, I think, I think that's the way to approach that same way to approach, I think plugins and obsidian or anything else. Yeah. Exactly. Solve an existing problem, not a hypothetical one. Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah. that, that you can just take that through life, gang. Just take that. <laughs> what, what about email, Kurosh? What do you, what do you use for email and, you know, how, like, what's your app and workflow? So currently I'm using Spark. Um, okay. And um, the way I'll use it, it has um, a, a, uh, menu command where you can have something sent to OmniFocus. Um, so I, what I'll do is I'll look through it and um, uh, it, it categorizes it automatically in a few different ways. I think one's like people and one's uh, promotions and something else. Um, similar, I think Gmail does. Um, and um, I'll tell it to, to scan through. I might star or flag whichever ones I want to look at. And then I'll quickly uh, once i've done that i'll hit mark all as red so i just clear all the rest that i don't want to deal with and then i'll go through my uh my pin things and those i'll send to omnifocus unless i just respond then and there and then uh once i've removed the pins from all of those i'm done with the client and um and uh hopefully i'm done with it for the day yeah but that's, yeah, but that's more great wishful thinking that. i often have to come back but yeah i i've spent a lot of time with spark lately and they really do a good job of incorporating the tools you need and and the automation and uh, and like the auto sorting to to try and make email more friendly. And they really have a focused search. I mean, 
to such an extent that they'll say, hey, uh, why don't you, if you open the app, say, why don't you come back at six o'clock? You know, you've been in your email app all day. Just <laughs> just go away, do some work. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that. You know, I, I, I know Mike Hurley makes fun of it, but I think it's kind of a nice feature. And I think it's something, a message a lot of people need to get. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Just go to indeed.com slash MPU. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. So ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Getting the right person on your team is so important. You need the right mix of skills and talent, but you also need the mindset and attitude. Putting out an ad and all those old ways we used to hire people seem so antiquated and frankly, so incompetent for this type of hiring. Indeed makes it so much easier because it brings you the right candidates to begin with. Then it's up to you to sift through those qualified candidates to find the exact right fit. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners to this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash MPU. Just go to INDEED.com slash MPU right now and support the show by saying you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users. Once again, that's indeed.com slash MPU. Terms and conditions apply. Do you need to hire? You need Indeed. And our thanks to Indeed for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. So another one of your projects is Waves of Focus. And mm. um, first of all, I, I can't believe we didn't say it when we mentioned your website at the beginning. You may have the most beautiful website of any guest we've had in a long time. I had to say it. It's, just, <laughs> it's so good. I love it. Um, but, uh, waves of focus is taking everything that you've learned in your profession and your experience and putting it together for people to go through. So you've got a course here and some, uh, some other resources kind of give us the, the high level of, of what waves of focus is about. So waves of focus is about, so the central theme behind any of the things that I do is about clearing and supporting paths for the development of agency. This idea that we can clearly make decisions that are non-reactive and then act and develop our lives as a result of that. Now, um, Waves of Focus is built around um, what I call this wandering mind. Um, It's often equated with uh, ADHD or anxiety, um, but I have a whole thought process on why they're not, why there's overlap but not quite Anyway, I won't get into that. But it's um, the idea that uh, one struggles often with managing where their mind is. 
and uh, where they want their mind to be. And uh, whether that they wind up diving deep into hyper-focus uh, on certain things, or they struggle to get themselves to do things that they feel like they, quote, should do, or um, any number of a range of things that kind of create this sort of stumbling through life that often in, creates a certain injury within the self, a sense of uh, rawness to that sense of agency. You know, they, they feel like, uh, even if they even if they see a, a task, like the, the example might be you see a task that says write report, and you look at that, and and there's this part of you that just viscerally says, "I'm I don't want to do this." So that that group, those those who are struggling with that, who often try to find the answer in one app after the next, or you know, writing it bigger on on you know the refrigerator or something, th- that's who I'm trying to target. That's who I'm trying to help, um, because it's it's not the app. It's it's about the it's about developing a relationship between uh, past, present, and future self. Uh, because oftentimes those relationships are abused when inadvertently, unconsciously so. And, and I'm trying to help learn how to, how to grow those relationships again. Well, I think that of all the people I know to teach about this stuff, you would be the person I would most like to learn about it from. And it, it is a, it's a big undertaking that you've been working on. I mean, historically you look, you know, you wrote about using DevonThink and OmniFocus, but this to me is the, this is the big one for you. I feel like this is kind of the holistic answer that I think a lot of people could use help on, you know, myself included. Uh, I have a whole story, Stephen, about over the weekend, I switched to three different email apps over the course of two days. Perfect. Do you think that that was going to solve my email problem no. by switching apps three times? Nope. You know, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I, Kourash, I think you're really onto something with this. I'm, I'm so happy that you're pursuing this. I appreciate it. It's been, it's been a lot of work. And I think it is, as you say, it's, it's a very, um, it's near and dear to my heart. It's something that, you know, as I grew up, you know, with my own difficulties, you know, where my homework was jammed in my backpack and I forgot that I had to turn it in and, medical school having to like really push hard to like cram things into my head you know through a lot of difficulties that i think are in that many with the sort of wandering mind concept i think struggle with so i i think my my work through of omnifocus and workflow mastery and things like that have have kind of i've realized the journey only after i've gone through it then like yeah this is this is where i got to be yeah and um, this course, I mean, I think it, it, it definitely would help folks in the ADHD spectrum, but I think mm-hmm. it's broader than that, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's part of the, the, the reason why I don't, I, it, it gets equated, but I don't think that's right. It's, it's, it's that idea that you have more thoughts than you know what to do with, and, and then you're left with this pain of potential. And how do you manage when your thoughts are, are scattered? How do you manage when you're diving deep into something and you, you, you're afraid that you, you're going to lose track of everything. And sometimes you do lose track of everything. And, 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 you know, trying to manage that, that flow of mind that at the same time, if you can do that, when you do that, you know, there's, there's a deep power to it as well. You know, when you can get into something and you feel like this is where I want to be, this is what's meaningful to me. And you're in you, and it's, it's not, I know we often use the flow idea, but it's, 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 
there needs to be a guidance to that flow. It can't be it can't be flood. And but when when flow is is in tune with those things we find meaningful, then I, that's that's what I'm trying to get at. So what do people get when they sign up for the course? So um, there's several things. One, you have the modules that I'm continuing to build out, which is uh, designed around uh, the visit. It's designed around uh, building um, the things that help you in the now, the things that help you in past and future, the, what, I, what I'll just describe as the not now. Um, it's a, uh, a, um, this idea of building a guide for yourself, something that you can have a communication with, in a sense, through, the, uh, through this uh, pen and paper approach that I described. Um, or you could use an app too, that works too. Um, then there's also a couple times a month, uh, live meetings. We sit down, we talk uh, through zoom, uh, have a conversation about what works, what doesn't work specific, you know, things that are going on. Um, sometimes I'll talk about OmniFocus or DevonThink or whatever, you know, just in service of this kind of goal. And then, um, uh, weekly I've started up a, a kind of a work session that, you know, just like we all meet and we kind of do our work together. And then there's a, there's a, a forum, a general forum that we can all engage in and, and post and discuss things and, and get into. When you're putting something together like this, uh, what are some of the things that you think about and what are some of the tools that you're using? You know, we've, we've talked to a lot of people over the years who either offer courses or are interested in, you know, putting something together based on their own expertise. What would you say to those folks? Hmm. You're talking about like, what are the tools that I use to build it or? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm using a, a service called circle um, and they run a, a membership site um, if you will. So that's the, the um, way I'm, um, yeah, so Circle is is they they do a nice job of allowing you to to create a membership site with different uh, payment setups and and um, and things like that. Then um, uh, I will use well, I use Zoom as I mentioned. Although I think I know Circle has their own sort of um, integration with that, uh, like a video service. I'm just I'm used to Zoom, so I use that. Then. Um, Sometimes I will use Ecamm, which is the broadcast uh, uh, software, just if I want to do something more um, uh, more than just the Zoom screen, if I want to like do some presentations, especially if I'm recording for the lectures, I'll use Ecamm. So that's, that's a big, um, I'll use that a lot. Um, then, um, let's see, the, the website itself, I mean, like the landing page, um, uh, can I mention who made the landing page? Yeah, of course. You mentioned yeah, of course. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, alpha graphics is the name of the, the company did that, that put that together. It looks, um, I think it looks really snazzy. I'm glad you liked it. So yeah, there's that, uh, alpha graphics. And then, um, then, uh, what else am I using? Ah, uh, I think those are the main thing. I mean, like it, it circle does a good job of, of the heavy lifting of the work that goes into, into creating a course. Um, now, Having said that, uh, so much there's so much more that goes into it than than the software because mm-hmm. like I, I remember when I when I signed up for it, uh, having taken somebody else's class, you know, once you sign up and you you're faced with the empty page, if you will, you know, you're stunned by oh my goodness, now what do I got to do? And um, there's building it. There's the there's the uh, the art of building the, the course. So that 
is the the second phase, which is a bigger phase of uh, taking one class after the next or or just putting one foot in front of the next every day, making the visits to uh, keep creating it. Um, and so, you know, so for example, right now I've, I've uh, you know, got six out of the 10 modules that I've planned. And, um, and there's this part of me that keeps eating at me. Come on, you got to make the next one. You got to make the next one. And I'm still making them. Okay, but what about this? What about this? And then, and then you start realizing the, um, the, 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 the work involved. And, and all throughout, you're building a relationship with a community, which, you know, people talk about it. But until you've experienced it, you don't quite know, you know, you're like, oh, wow, this is kind of nice. You know, you, you kind of, um, yeah, you develop relationships with people in a different way. Um, anyway, I think I'm going off topic, but <laughs> I think you were asking about the tools. But anyway, I got <laughs> yeah. lost. Well, well, no, I mean, yeah, obviously the the work that you're putting into it with the content you're creating, I mean, that, that's obviously the, the, the most important thing, right? Um, and... Uh, with your background in education, I'm sure some of that comes more easily than others. But is that writing and is that planning? Is that is that taking place in DevonThink, and then you sort of move it into the platform? Ah, that reminds me. Yes, no, there's a big, huge key component that I'm missing. Uh, I write a lot, so I gather the notes from DevonThink. Uh, I might transfer that to um, Scrivener sometimes to. Uh, kind of think through a long form piece. I'll do that in Scrivener. Yeah. And then from there, I'll transfer to Keynote. Keynote is a huge, huge thing um, where uh, I love Keynote. I, I've, I've enjoyed it for years and even more so now. I combine, so what I'll do is with Ecamm, I have a picture of myself uh, in the corner and I have Ecamm, or I have the Keynote presented in this other area. And then I can move back and forth between different scenes of either just myself or just the, the Keynote presentation um and then looping back in on the uh, on the video setup i have it set up where i have a, a teleprompter above my my laptop where I, I drag the the keynote presentation thing above the laptop so now it's like i'm looking through this teleprompter at the camera and i can read through my slides while i'm tapping forward um sometimes using a, a stream deck sometimes just using the keyboard on my my laptop and that is what I use to actually develop the, um, the lectures themselves. I've uh, I've got some experience with Circle. I, I don't use it, but a lot of my friends do. And especially if you're making a course that is community focused, I think it's an excellent platform for that. So this seems like a perfect fit for what you're doing because I know you have a lot of community element to to your course and to what you're talking about. In fact, I think kind of fellow travelers are what makes this easier. And, yes. um, and I, I think that you absolutely picked the right platform there. Uh, another thing I'd like to call out that's on Kurosh's website that everyone, and I'll put a link in the notes should check out is he has a, a newsletter called the weekly wind down. And I get a lot of newsletters. Most of them go directly into kind of my newsletter filter. And sometimes I read them. Kurash's newsletter, I read every week. It's just, it's one of the few that I always read. It's so thoughtful and uh, he takes a lot of time to write them. And I, I think this is an Insta subscribe recommendation from Sparky. We'll put this one in and, and check it out. I much appreciate that. It's a, it's a point of pride for me. I work very hard on that every week. I, I pour out you know, a few hours of, of time into 600 some odd words. And every week I, 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 
You know, they, they say batch your work and I can't do it. I, I, I come up at the screen and I'm like, okay, what am I going to, what am I going to get into? And I find something that I've been thinking about that week and, and, and means something to me. And I, I put it into some form, some story, some something that I hope resonates and, and really grateful that, that you find that you, that you enjoy that. So thank you, David. I appreciate that. This episode of MPU is brought to you by Factor. This bustling holiday season, you might be on the lookout for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel you on jam-packed days. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat mail delivery service, and they can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle, all while tackling your holiday to-do list. With Factor, you can cross meal prepping off your holiday list this season. Their fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. And you have more than 35 flavor-packed options to choose from each and every week. We got some Factor meals here at the Hackett House, and it was a big hit with the family. It was super easy, nice and neat, prepared quickly, and everyone enjoyed their meals. And if you're looking for a calorie-conscious option for the holidays that doesn't skimp on flavor... You can try delicious, dietitian-approved, calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Or if you need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best during the holidays, try Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. And you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice because Factor offsets 100% of the delivery missions to your door and source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices. This December, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes with no prep and no mess. Head on over to factormeals.com MPU50 and use the code MPU50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code MPU50 at factormeals.com slash MPU50 to get 50% off your first box. Of course, that link is in the show notes. Our thanks to Factor for their support of the show and Relay FM. Kurash, we always like to end the show sharing with some of your favorite things. And uh, you have brought us a unique group of things. Normally, <laughs> uh, our guests bring apps or services. You've brought board games and music. So I, I want to hear what you're thinking about, Gurush. Tell us about it. All right. So, yeah. Um, uh, all right. So I, you'd mentioned, like, what am I into? And I'm like, all right, this, these are things I'm just kind of lately into. So in terms of, um, I'll start with music. Three albums that I've been enjoying. One, uh, Ensemble du Verre. Uh, by uh, or the is the group name and the album is Rooms that I've been listening to. Very chill, sort of um, jazzy. Some I, nothing. There's no clear. It's not a, like there's no clear beat, although it's there. It's just it's just velvety to listen to. I enjoy that one. Um, Exploding Plastics. Uh, this is accurate. Is a brand new album, so I just started listening to that. Uh, yesterday i'm like oh this is great i'm gonna put this on here and um and it's it's much more uh intense and driven and, and i think you got to be in the right mood to, to to listen but when you're there it's like all right this is this is this is good and then um 
I've been a huge fan of uh, Dark Side of the Moon for, you know, ever. It's the first CD yeah. I bought when I was, you know, when, when CDs came out. And, um, and then uh, I guess somewhere in the last few months, I think it was the last few months, Roger Waters put out this Dark Side of the Moon Redux. And um, I have really enjoyed that. It's, it's been, I haven't listened to, I've listened to it maybe three or four times so far. And every time I'm like, yeah, this, there's something, this works as like, another layer i mean you're a keyboardist and sometimes you even um you publish or um or um, mm -hmm. broadcast when you're playing your music but i've never asked you where where does listening to music fall into your life i mean are you do you listen to music all day or is there what's the role of of music consumer in your life often uh, when i'm writing uh, i'll be listening to music anything that um or you know, if I'm designing a lecture, um, anything that involves just me, uh, I will often have music playing. Sometimes at the dinner table, you know, I'll have to fi uh, find something that kind of fits everyone's kind of moods. Um, so I kind of become DJ, and um, yeah, I've just loved music uh, for a very long time. So I've listened to a wide variety. It was hard to come. I, I was ready to just keep adding more and more to this list, and I had to pull back. But um, whenever I can, I listen to, to, to music. Is there anything you do where you can't listen to music while you're doing it? Like, this, I know, for like for some folks, music with words, they can't write while they're listening to music with words in it. Do you have that hang up? Uh, it depends on the song, depends on what's going on. So um, if the music, with, if the words are, I guess I'd make the decision in the moment. If it's really pulling my mind away, then yeah. But other times... Music can be stimulate, stimulating for me. So, you know, the the story I sometimes say is when I was in high school, you know, this is like the idea of the wandering mind that sometimes you, stimulation helps to keep focus. And other people are like, how are you? Like, I would listen to on repeat Metallica's Justice for All, uh, Kill 'em All, Master of Puppets, Ride the Lightning, just like one tape. It was all cassettes in my boombox. And, um, and it'd be loud and I could focus. I could like engage. I could do the math. I could do reading. I could do whatever, even with the, the, the lyrics. And it, it's really, I think I'm about an attunement of like what, what gives you the stimulation, the guide rails to help you, help you engage. Um, so that, uh, that's where music is for me. And you also come with a couple of board games. Yeah. yeah. So board games. Um, so I've got a whole growing collection of, board games and and showing up to you know gen con and things like that doesn't help but <laughs> uh the two i chose that i've been entertained by lately one's called Anne's end and this is where you are you and up to it could be a single player game it could be up to four players where uh you're all these kind of sorcerer characters that are defending the planet against these invading monsters and um What's cool about it is that there's um, there's some degree of randomization in terms of the, the like who like the players that get uh, that get to play in what order and what the villain is doing and when, but your development as a character is not random. Um, you can choose from you know this sort of marketplace that's itself randomly picked. But then how you decide to move forward and develop yourself, is, there's a de deliberate process to that. And I find it a really um, 
it becomes a really interesting puzzle every time every time you play it, and um, and it's hard. I often lose, um, but but when I win or when we win, it's you know you come through like this was good, and uh, so that's 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 Anne's end, and then um, Dale of Merchants um, is something where uh, it's it's got these cute cute critters that are kind of make up um, these merchant like helpers, I suppose. And, uh, and you're just, you're trying to build up a, a stall, a merchant stall and whoever does the best job uh, wins. I think they make it to the guild or something. It's, it's like that. And, um, and it, it's another great little puzzle game at, and uh, where you're thinking through um, how to create certain sets and use the sets in your cards to help fur- further build sets. And, um, and you're all trying to compete against each other. So that's a competitive sort of game. Um, and, um, and it's just adorable. It's at the same time, it's adorable. It's kind of brain crunching kind of, and, and it's fun. We're heading into the holidays and I know you're an avid board game player. Um, if somebody's listening and they want to maybe kind of get their family into some board games this year, mm-hmm. uh, you got any recommendations for, for some good starter games? You know, I grew up playing games like Monopoly, which feel like work to me. <laughs> I don't like those yeah, games. I do. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> but I know there's a lot of fun board games out there. What's a couple that you would recommend to help people get started? Okay, so let me think. Um, give me a moment. Okay, so if you want to play by yourself, I like this one called Grove, G-R-O-V-E. That one's kind of fun. If you've got, um, I guess it depends on like what, because there's so many different levels to games. And so I'm thinking of like, at, at like kind of a not too intense. Um, I like one called, uh, there's a, there's a Splendor game with a specific Marvel uh, flavor to it that I've been playing that I've enjoyed. And that I think is like, that's like starting to get into it. That's where like you're, you're branching into getting into more, more depth of rules and things like that, but not quite. And it's like a good, you know, next, next step. Um, if you're looking for like a, a, an intense sort of something that's, that's relatively easy to learn. Once you get it, you're, you're good. And, but, but there's like an intensity to it. It's called set S E T. Um, that's one where you, uh, you, you're just a group of people and you're all playing at the same time and grabbing stuff. If you're looking for, let's see, if you're looking for something that's like a social deduction sort of thing that has up to eight players, there's one called Spyfall. And uh, that's one where uh, one person's a spy and everybody else has a location. They all, all, the, all the people who know the location, uh, nobody knows who the spy is except for the spy. And then you're all kind of asking questions of each other to try to deduce who the spy is or the spy is trying to figure out what the location is. And, and uh, that's an interesting one as well. That sounds like a really fun party game. Like it can be, a bunch yeah. Of people over, yeah. Yeah, it, it's one that I would say... Uh, give it at least a couple of rounds, maybe even more, because at first everyone's kind of frozen and trying to think through questions. Um, but then once you get the kind of, uh, the, the, once the oil and the machinery starts going, it, it, it's pretty cool. Well, that's a, that's a nice collection. And, um, and Kurash, it's always fun having you on the show and just hearing what you're thinking about. Um, some of the things you want to check out from Kurash are taking smart notes with Devin Think. Um, definitely check out Waves of Focus, which is this, 
this new thing that you're working on that I really want this to become your thing because I feel like you can really make a dent in the universe for a lot of people. And uh, I hope that 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 happens. Uh, Another great uh, book you have is your OmniFocus book, uh, Creating Flow with OmniFocus. I had to think for a second, but uh, an excellent book on on OmniFocus as well. Uh, Anywhere else people should go to check out your work? I think the main site would be so either wavesoffocus.com or uh, for that one specifically. But if you go to kuroshdini.com, K-O-U-R-O-S-H-D-I-N-I.com, that has the branches to, to the rest of the thing. So, for example, if you want to follow my music-related, you know, I, I do my Saturday morning performances. If you want to get into that, go to kuroshdini.com slash music. Um, uh, but otherwise, I think everything pretty much hubs from that, that point. Well, you're one of my favorite people on the internet, and I really appreciate you coming in today. Thanks to our sponsors, 1Password, ZocDoc, Indeed, and Factor. We are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. You can find the forums at talk.macpowerusers.com. Every week, there's a new post in there for the new show. You can comment on that. There's tons of great resources in there. Just this week, I had a problem, and I Googled a question on it, and the number one answer was at the Mac Power Users Forum, and I love that. So uh, we hope to see you there. Uh, Regardless, we'll see you next time on the Mac Power Users.